there's certain things that you just don't do on live television, and Matt, Matt is, is one, one of them. Does anybody of want hazmat. the off-brand of a hazmat, hazmat suit? Like, no, only no. the good stuff. You just keep losing. I keep losing. I'm, well, I'm used to that in my life. So we've got BYU Sports Nation for the next hour. Well, let's hope. Hopefully, we're still on the air in an hour. Yeah. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Our next guest was a man who made a lot of shots from uh, that that uh, area of the court, the long two, not to mention threes. He's a BYU TV analyst, the all-time leading scorer in BYU history, Tyler Haas on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? We're, we're fired up. It's a game day. We're talking uh, opt-outs, WCC tournament, u- show <laughs> or units, all that. It's just wild. So let's address uh, the the... West Coast Conference Tournament first, then we'll preview Pepperdine with you. So Mark Few bringing up, you know, let's figure out what's best for the league. And if you're talking what's best for the league as your number one value, it's probably getting a third team in. So uh, it'd be weird if Gonzaga and BYU opted out, right? I think so. I mean, it it has been such a weird year. Um, I mean, games being canceled, games being moved around. Um, But, you know, you look at it from Gonzaga's perspective and you know there's a lot of talk around the country with you know conference tournaments being canceled if you're Gonzaga it's yeah it makes a lot of sense but I think there's there's a lot of teams around the country that are going to benefit from playing a conference tournament so I don't know I don't know about you guys but I'm I'm always for playing games let's let's play games let's get out there like I I want BYU to have another crack at Gonzaga I don't I don't want them pulling out of anything well, and look, that's what everybody wants to do. You want to play games, like you said, but that's one of the uncertainties about this entire season is how many games are you going to get to play? Even if you have a game scheduled, will it happen? I mean, we've seen that the BYU's game on Saturday has already been postponed. I mean, when you think about that situation and the unknown right now, you know, is the conference tournament going to happen? Is it not? I mean, obviously right now it's on. How, how frustrating, I mean, put yourself in one of these players' shoes. How frustrating would this be on a day-to-day basis of just not knowing anything yeah uncertainty can be be a killer for sure I mean if you get caught up in all the different storylines and and the what-if scenarios out there it can um it can be a really tough mental challenge uh I I think BYU you know overall across the board across their whole athletic program I mean has done a great job of managing all those things and um, BYU, from the very beginning of this COVID stuff, it's it's always been about how can we get more games? How can we continue to keep playing? And, you know, sitting down with, with Coach before the season, um, he, he talked about all this uncertainty. And one of, one of the things that he talked about being his greatest challenge was not letting it, not letting COVID be an excuse for for anything that that happens and be, being able to take every game and every day, just one, one step and one day at a time. Um, and, and always trying to play more games and, and it's worked, worked out well for BYU so far. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, a couple games uh, postponed, getting rescheduled TBD on when San Francisco gets rescheduled from Saturday. But uh, uh, regarding the excuse or I guess an asterisk, if Gonzaga did opt out of the WCC tournament, would you you'd still want BYU to play? It sounds like because I guess they could still help their seating. I guess they could hurt their seating. 
as well. Uh, but BYU could win the WCC tournament and a conference tournament for the first time in 20 years. It's been a long time. It's been a tough journey to overcome UNLV and San Diego State in uh, Vegas, and then it's obviously tough to beat Gonzaga at the Gonzaga Invitational. So what do you think of that scenario if Gonzaga did opt out of the WCC tournament? The BYU still plays because something's on the line. Yep, I, I think so. I, I think BYU for sure still plays. <clears throat> BYU can benefit from, from getting a few more wins, I think, and, and can help their seeding. And, and, and you guys know, in, in the NCAA tournament, um, so much of advancing is uh, who you get matched up with and, and where you're seated. And so I think, I think if BYU can play, they're, they're going to play. Let's talk about this team specifically. The record speaks for itself. I mean, we, we've seen what this team is capable of, and they're certainly trending in a very positive direction. But philosophically, when you look at a team, and we'll obviously talk about, about this BYU team specifically, but what, do you, what would you prefer to have in terms of a team? Do you want to have a team that's based around a go-to guy, or do you like to have a team of the guys where anybody at any time can, can be the one that steps up for you. What, what do you think is better for the program and for ultimately winning? Yeah, <clears throat> I think, I think moving forward um, the rest of this year, I mean, you got to have the, the most dangerous team, have a team of the guys like there, there's multiple weapons that, that can hurt you and, and BYU has definitely been trending towards um, guys stepping up and, and taking on bigger roles. And I, I like that scenario a lot better than having, having one or two guys. But um, part of me still thinks that, you know, we, we kind of have a mix of both. Like, I, I mean, I would say, I would say AB is our guy. If, we, if we're looking to, if we're looking for a guy to hit a big shot at the end of the game, AB is our guy. And, um, but I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of other guys that would take that shot as well. I mean, BA has been playing, Awesome. Trevin Nell, the last few games has been really tough. Um, Matt Harms has been um, really tough inside and a huge presence. And so um, I like that we have our, our main leader with all the experience and, and kind of has been the, um, you know, the, the, the steady guy all year. Um, but then you got a, a full team of guys that are, are dangerous and, and ready to ready to step in and compete. Trevor Nell earlier this week on the show told us that six players, including himself, had been fitted for mouthpieces. You played with a mouthpiece, didn't you? To avoid what happened to Alex I Barcelo? I did, yeah. Yeah, I've had my fair share of uh, facial injuries and dental work done. So, Would you wear a game, mouthpiece man. as big as the one that uh, uh, Matthew Della Vadova wore? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Delvadova, he used to keep that thing in his sock half the game. Oh. You never know. You never knew whether it was in his mouth or in his sock. It was gross. Oh, listen. And I used to think this. Now I'm going to change my opinion because six BYU guys are going to wear mouthpieces, perhaps today. But I always thought if dude shows up with a mouthpiece, I'm not sure I wanted that physical. Like, hey, this guy's going to. What's this guy doing? So, have you had a chipped tooth or anything like Alex had before? Oh yes, yeah, my. My front four teeth are fake, man. I, I got hit. I got hit early on as I think a freshman in high school. I had to have all this work done. Oh wow! I yeah. You so say your four wore, front wore, teeth? I wore my front four teeth. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I've been hitting the nose. I, I 
over in Poland, I, I took an elbow to the face and practice, had to have surgery. Uh, it's just, I mean, my, my wife and, and my family always tell me, Ty, you, you, you just lead with your head too often on, on everything <laughs> you're doing. Lead with and your I, heart I only instead. Do, I don't, yeah, yeah I, only had, I only had one speed when I played, and so it was all out or, or, or nothing. So it's part of it. Does that affect uh, breathing? How do you navigate that? As we, uh, Trevin mentioned, we're going to have uh, more guys on the guard line wearing the uh, mouthpiece. No, they they have really good mouthpieces nowadays. You can get one that's that's fitted and um, doesn't come out too often. Um, but yeah, I I wore one. I think my sophomore, junior, senior year, and then all over in Europe too. So I that that was part of my my pregame ritual i had to make sure i had my 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 mouth guard in there okay i'm remembering uh your freshman year 2010 in the thomas and mac tcu was it the game before was it in that game you got like elbowed in the eye and you like made two free throws and you could barely see or something i got poked in the eye i on a fast break dude just came right across my face felt like his his finger went all the way back in my head but I had, so he punctured my sinus wall, and what? And what happened that night? I'm I'm sitting there in the room. Jackson Emery was my roommate, and went to blow my nose at night, and literally air leaked out from my nose into my eye and blew up my eye. Oh my god! Like I, I was totally fine, but in literally in one second, my eye blew up like a balloon. It was the weirdest what? thing ever. The weirdest injury I've ever had. <laughs> was that against TCU, or was that – remind me of the timeline there. It was against TCU, yeah. In the quarterfinals. So that happens in the game, and then you go to the free throw line. Don't you knock down two free throws or something with, like, one eye? Yeah. Yeah, I hit two free throws, and then, yeah, it came out. I, I could barely I, – I couldn't see anything. I, it was really scary, actually. Wow. Most of the vision um, in my eye was, was dark, and so – Slowly, it came back, and then that whole thing happened that night. Got nicknamed the the Tyclops, though. That, <laughs> that cool. Okay, let's finish with this. Uh, your thought on the matchup, Game Two with Pepperdine, BYU taking on uh, the Waves here in a couple of hours. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. Um, you know, just coming off the way they played last game, uh, it's it's really encouraging, right? I mean, didn't shoot the ball well from three, but. Still found a way to grind it out. I thought they, I thought BYU matched, um, you know, Pepperdine's physicality so well inside, and you know, found a different way to win. Uh, I thought they did a great job on the defensive end of the floor. BYU's playing so well defensively, stringing stops together, playing as a team, playing for each other. It's they've got a lot of momentum right now, and you know, hopefully they they can bring that same fight. I think they're going to have to shoot the ball a lot better at Pepperdine. Um, you know, Pepperdine's not not going to have the same game that they had last game. So, I, you know, but I expect BYU to, to shoot the ball better as well. So I'm excited. Tyler, we, we don't have time to get to it today, but the next time you're on the show, now that you're you're more around the building and you're, you're the analyst on the countdown to tip off, we're going to need to to get your stories about what you've learned about Jerem Jordan since you've been spending much more time with him. And we're talking about all the embarrassing stuff. So that'll be the next time you come on. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I can say some of that stuff on air. <laughs> I just want to hear more about the Tyclops later. Tyclops, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of stories like that for sure. It's probably the name of this show today, by the way. The Tyclops, yeah, for sure. Tyclops. Okay, Tyler, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's the Tyclops, Tyler Haas, <laughs> on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show. How have we not heard that, that story? That is insane. Well, that's why we have the show, because we're just learning constantly what's going on, what happened. He blew his nose and his eye got like bigger. Like a balloon? I didn't know that Can was... you imagine Jackson Emery as his roommate? Like, what am I supposed to do? Awesome, buddy. Jeez. Wow. That's crazy. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Zach Wilson and the NFL Draft. News uh, plenty. This morning, Mel Kuyper of ESPN released his first mock draft. Big deal since he's the guy with uh, the NFL mock draft. And he has Zach Wilson going to the Falcons at number four. So we've seen multiple projections uh, from different sources. His guy Todd McShay also had Zach going forth to a couple weeks ago, remember? To the Falcons. To the yes. Falcons, okay. yes. So that's an option, right? Uh, Jets at two has been uh, one that's discussed as well. So let's let's discuss what you think is a better fit, knowing who what we know about those two teams and coaching staffs. Two to the Jets or four to the Falcons? Okay. As of today, I would rather have him go to the Falcons. Now, I understand the Falcons, since falling apart in the Super Bowl, have, have been a shell of themselves. But they are certainly going to need a quarterback with Matt Ryan being his age. Um, I, I like... I like the organization overall. They have a steady ownership. You know, overall, they've been very good in new terms stadium. of... Yeah, new stadium. Yeah. Like it's, it's a good franchise to go to. But, but the problem is, look, the Jets, we know what the Jets have been. So we're basing them not wanting to go to the Jets based off of them being a laughing stock the last couple of years. That last couple of years. Adam Gase was fired. They have a new I love Robert Sala, yep. the defensive coordinator of the 49ers being their head coach. I love that. I love that he brought in as it's Mike LaFleur, correct? Yes, yes. As the offensive coordinator. So you're getting a guy that was working with the San Francisco 49ers offense. I think it's unfair to say that the Jets will always be the Jets. If the Jets turn out to be the right... the Browns weren't always the Browns. Exactly. So, so if you're asking me today, based off of what we've seen over the last year or two, it's Atlanta. But I like the hiring of Salah and Lafleur coming in as the offensive coordinator. And so I, I just don't know if the Jets will stay at the bottom like they have been. They're, they're, they're in New York, so there's always a pressure to be good. So I, I don't want to dismiss. I want him to go to the best fit, wherever that will be, and for him to have the opportunity to succeed. That, that's where I want him to go. Even if it's the Jets, because long-term they're going to have more success, then I'm okay with that. But if you ask me today, based off of the last two years, it's obviously Atlanta. Yeah, I'm cool with either for the reasons you mentioned. The Jets have a new coaching staff, uh, one that's fresh, one that's a little upgraded, obviously, from from the struggles they had this year in the last couple of years. Falcons, uh, it, obviously, they're you know in a new coaching situation as well. Uh, firing Dan Quinn, uh, you know, who was the DC on that amazing Seahawks defense that just blasted the Broncos. But that era is over, so n- now we go to that situation. Atlanta is more ready of an offense for uh, for a guy like Zach Wilson, and obviously uh, having Julio Jones and like Calvin Ridley, who is who weapons, is aging. Yes, though. he'll be thirty two, so he's kind of at the end of his his career. And didn't and they hired the Titans' offensive coordinator? Is that correct? I can't remember. Who I, they I can't, hired, re- but I, yeah, I can't. I think that's who they hired. They're, they're, but an offense, I'm, I'm almost more, positive it was an offensive coach that they they're, hired. They're more ready now to to and if. If Zach gets uh, drafted by the Falcons, he's not the starter right away. Matt Ryan's going to have a year at right. least as the, as 
the guy An still, opportunity to learn. At least, if not a little longer. But if you get a guy at four, you're wanting to put him in sooner than later, obviously. But I would love that, that mentorship there. If, if Zach goes to the Jets, Sam Darnold is returning. There would be a competition there. Sam probably gets to start initially, but then Zach comes in once the Jets stink inevitably um, <laughs> and during the season. So it, it's, I would rather him go to the Falcons so that it's not a uh, David Carr situation where he's thrown in uh, with the Wolves and sack too much and whatever. Also, the weather situation, I think it's, it's easier to be an effective passer in the division, uh, what, the NFC? NFC South, yeah. Uh, then, then the uh, you're going AFC to Florida. East. You're inside at New Orleans, right? Yeah. And Patriots aren't the uh, you know the dominant team they have been. So that division is open. A but, divisional battle but, between the, Taysom and Zach. That'd be fun, right? <laughs> and, but the Bills have emerged. Bills are pretty good. Bills are pretty good. So I think they're going to be good for a couple of years. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Falcons. Let's go. Time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Ten years ago today, Jim Romania and the Brighamites beat Kawhi Leonard and fourth-ranked San Diego State, Cougars ranked ninth, in the Marriott Center. So we look back on the top five plays from that magical night. Number five, Jimmer with the crossover. Look at this. Look at all the crossover, breaking ankles, finishes over Malcolm Thomas with the left hand. Oh, this was such a wonderful night. Oh, look, that look is beautiful. Look how packed the Marriott Center is. The students were over in the center. Takes the contact and still gets the bucket. Number four, Charles Abuo blocks Malcolm Thomas from behind. Fun fact, Charles Abuo didn't get credit for this block. I think James Anderson did. Who had five on the night. But Charles Abuo <laughs> was all over it defensively. Abuo didn't make a shot from the field, but defensively was fantastic. All right, number three, speaking of defense, how about one of BYU's best defensive players ever, Jackson Emery, intercepting the pass, takes it the other way for the two-handed dunk. Look at Jackson with the ups. Again, Jackson only had four points in this game. Brandon Davies was the only other Cougar that scored in double figures with 14. But defensively, BYU was so good, held a top-five team to 58 points. And Jack's the all-time steals leader with another one. Okay, number two. Jimmer Fredette crosses over Billy White and makes a three. I was on the opposite baseline. We have chosen not to use my angle of this. But it was an amazing shot. 25-24. Uh, Three-pointer in the first half. Crowd going crazy. Five made threes by Jimmer. And whoo, he got shook. All right. That brings us to number one with the shot clock at three. Jimmer pulls up from deep. We like to call it Jimmer range. And drains it. Look at that. BYU goes on top 50-46 in the second half. He, like, jumps and then kind of kicks his feet a little bit for a little more juice from that distance. Oh. I mean, that's, yeah, that's in the second half, and every posi- possession was contested. And, oh, by the way, look who's on him defensively. By the way, Jimmer was ahead of his time. What are they doing in the NBA now? Taking deep threes in its routine. Jimmer was doing this 10 years ago. I have deep thoughts about this that I'm not going to share right now. Those are the top five plays from the magical night in the Marriott Center 10 years ago between San Diego State and BYU. Last year, prior to the Gonzaga game at home, I said, this is going to feel like the closest thing since that game. And it totally was, right? It was unbelievable. And BYU did an amazing thing. I still feel like that game was a little, just a little, they're both amazing, just a little better than the Gonzaga game. Both were incredible. Both were court storms. So fun. Uh, BYU being a top team itself, and top 10 team, and Jim Romania kind of pushes it over the edge, but some incredible nights. So fun. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest is a man who played basketball at BYU. He's a radio analyst. He's uh, one of your favorite uh, lawyers out there. His name is Mark Durant on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Mark, uh, you have a filing cabinet behind you. That is a right of a lawyer to have in his office, right? Yeah, they issue that to you once you pass the bar, and you must take it with you at all times and all places. Yeah, and, and uh, wow, going scriptural there. This I is, like that. This is awkward because I thought we were talking with Kevin Durant. Uh, <laughs> I've prepared a lot of questions about Kyrie Irving, so I hope you'll uh, just uh, bear with me. Listen, people, if you can believe that people ask me if I'm related to Kevin Durant, I'm like, uh, well, no, no, but Devin, Devin, I am. What? Well, yes. as you recall, and I've said before one time to Devin, I asked if he was Mark's brother, so that was the first time that had ever been asked, which is awesome. Okay, so. Yes, we- I, I appreciate that. He needs to be taken down a notch or two, actually, so hey, that's good. I got you, I got you. Um, okay, we were talking about, the hypothetical of the West Coast Conference tournament, and it's not a report. It's just an idea that, hey, there might be leagues that say it's not worth it for us to play a conference tournament, although a lot of college basketball has taken place. Yes, there have been postponements. They're rescheduling. I think we've navigated this generally pretty well, uh, but there's always a chance that maybe it doesn't happen, and who knows? What if Gonzaga opted out? Uh, what are your thoughts on the possibility of these things is we don't know what it's going to be like in six weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's hard to know what it's going to be like. But my philosophy for this whole thing is let's look for ways to make it happen rather than ways to cancel things, right? I mean, if you can have a conference tournament, if you can manage the risks and uh, and do it in a safe way, why not have a conference tournament? I mean, that's that's part of the fun of basketball season and a lot of, especially for the players. I mean, that's a big deal. And you go and even the teams that aren't in the NCAA tournament discussion, you know, that's kind of their postseason and a chance to go and be part of that tournament environment. And I don't know all the financial uh, aspects of it, the TV and, you know, how that is affected if you don't have fans and generating that kind of revenue, but just from a, the player's perspective and just for the perspective of college basketball, if you can have a conference tournament, do it. Why, why change things if you don't have to, and you can do it in the right way. And, and maybe you make some modifications and if Gonzaga doesn't want to play, I mean, I, that's up to them, but uh, I think if you can do it, find a way to do it because it's a great time and, and a fun experience and it gives teams a chance to play in that conference environment with just a, a, a sliver of hope that perhaps you might win the tournament and get a bid to the NCAA tournament. So let's do it if we can. You know, whatever Mark Few and the Zags want to do, let's, that, that's fine. But let's have a tournament if we possibly can. And just to be clear for those watching, not a report, just an idea that we're putting out there that benefiting Gonzaga or not right uh, at that point. So nothing official or even unofficial at this point. Just throwing out an idea. All right, so Mark, you and I have uh, have the chance to talk during pregame shows, so we get to talk about this a lot. But Jeremy and I were talking in the last segment just the fact that, that BYU is certainly trending in the right direction to, to really put itself in a very similar spot to where it was last year. 
And after losing so much production, that just speaks extremely highly of what Coach Pope and his coaches have done. Where do you feel like Coach Pope has made the biggest impact on this program? Well, first of all, I mean, I just love Coach Pope. You guys are around him. What a joy it is to be around him. And I think the players uh, feel that as well. And there's a great locker room and a great environment. They feel like they really care about him. But I think a lot of his success is his ability to recruit, whether that's recruiting guys like Caleb Lohner coming out of high school or, more importantly, I think in today's college basketball, you need to really take advantage of the transfers and and bring in good players. That, that's how a team like BYU and Gonzaga, for instance, can really compete against some of the bigger schools as being a great transfer spot for people. And imagine where this team would be without, uh, you know, Averitt and Harms and Harward and, and Barcelo. Go down the list. Those guys are all transfers. And, and I think that's where BYU can get good players, experienced players. You kind of know what you're getting. And uh, Mark Pope is such a, a gregarious, fun, great guy that, you know, he goes into people's homes and those kids buy into it. And then when they have success, like Gonzaga has had over the years, then people know, in the future know, if I go to BYU, I'm going to have a chance for real success and exposure and to play at the next level. So uh, he's done a lot of great things, but I think his ability to recruit, especially transfers, has been a, a real difference maker early for him. Eleven regular season games left. The eleventh is Gonzaga. Do you feel like BYU will lose any of the next ten? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, but uh, just practically speaking, I think it's likely they will. I mean, I've just been on the road too many times in conference and and been snake bitten even at home with this conference. You look at Pepperdine the other night, it looks like BYU's rolling, and then they, they, all of a sudden they're in a game at the end. And that's really been the case in all of the games, except Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. BYU was behind in those games in the second half. And that's not to say I don't think BYU will win most of them, but I think they're not such an offensive juggernaut that they're going to be 20, 30 points ahead of people. They're going to be in tight games, right? And you just don't win all of them, even if you're a good team. If, if it's close, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Uh, but with that said, I mean, I think BYU will have a chance to win every game. But I don't know that with the numbers and the, and the, the games will be pretty close that if BYU could, could do that. I hope they do, and that would be an exciting game uh, against Gonzaga to finish up the regular season. The good news, Mark, is the BYU got the win on Saturday, but I, I don't think the Cougars felt like they played their best basketball. I know Pepperdine was not happy with the way neither team shot the ball well, and it's always difficult when you play a team back-to-back, which is actually pretty rare in college basketball. What do you make of part two of BYU versus Pepperdine tomorrow in Malibu? It's hard to play any team twice. That's why the second half of conference play is always harder but particularly back-to-back games. I mean, the crazy things happen, as we know, with uh, back-to-back uh, games against the same opponent. It's going to be tough because uh, I think you saw a preview with Pepperdine of what the rest of the conference is going to try and do with BYU. I think now they, they understand BYU is a, a big, strong inside team, that their three-point shooting is not as good as it was by any means from last year. So Pepperdine, I think, was – content to pack in the defense, be very aggressive with the big men, try and push them off the block and, and be 
very physical and try and take the big men out of the game a little bit and then almost dare BYU to beat them from the three-point line. And they made a couple, but still not didn't shoot great. And so I think that's the that's probably the preview of the scout going forward is to try and take away the inside play for BYU and 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 be, and I don't think people fear BYU particularly from the three-point line. So not just Pepperdine, but going forward as they play teams twice, it's going to be even much more difficult because teams know you and there's good coaches in this league and they'll they'll try and do things to stop you. So it'll be a challenge for BYU. Alex Barcelo with a, uh, I guess, new look. We'll see how the uh, tooth looks tomorrow. But uh, did you ever chip a tooth when you played, Mark? Uh, no, but that's miserable. I, I've had my share of teeth problems, and I having to play an entire game after having your tooth chipped, that that's, doesn't sound fun at all. But I tell you what, one time Ken Roberts cut my eyelid open. I had to get stitches. The next day, I broke his nose. <laughs> so that's the story I would tell everybody: don't mess with me, or you're going to get it. And uh, and so I listen. I expect Alex to do some redistribution of pain next game on Pepperdine <laughs> on Colby Ross. That'll be a fun matchup. Did you did you have <laughs> stitches on your eyelid? Uh, I maybe misspoke. Eyebrow, like okay, it, eyebrow. Like, I was like, like eyelid. Oh my gosh, that would be painful. Yeah, That's so thin. To, I didn't mean to gross you out, Jerem, but yeah, I, I, eyebrow. Okay, I, okay, that's nothing. I'm not, it's I, still look, I still look beautiful, though, so it's okay. Yeah, in spite of that, I, th- I think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting conversation that we actually want to have on the show, and uh, we're going to kind of preview it with you a little bit. So last year, BYU had clear-cut go-to guys. This year, it's much more about the collective. It's much more about guys versus then maybe the one guy. Which do you prefer? Well, I, I prefer the guys, but even in that scenario, I think you have to have one or two players that are kind of your best guys. Uh, they don't have to be Jimmer, superstar, Yoli guys. But they have to be your best guys that you can rely on to produce every game. And you think that's Barcelo and maybe Harms or someone like that or Averett, but what I'd like to see out of those guys is a little more consistency, uh, particularly Alex. Uh, he can change from half to half. Obviously, he's very good. He's been great. But I'd like to see a consistent scoring for him because the other guys on the team have to know where the points are coming from and rely on that. For instance, I compare this team a lot to the teams I played with. It was We had some real strength inside. We were an inside-out team, didn't shoot a ton of three-pointers. Uh, we had bit, a lot of depth and size inside, like Gary Trost, Jared Miller, Russ Larson, Ken Roberts, those guys. So, uh, But none of those guys were superstars. But we knew, for instance, my senior year, I knew – we were going to get, what, 35 or 40 points every night from Ken and, and Russ. And you need to have that base. I mean, th- those guys were, were awesome, but they weren't like one-man, two-man teams. And, and so I think that's the balance you need. You need guys that will play consistently and get you the points you need as a base. And then other, the other guys can kind of fill in around that. I, I, that's, that's what I'd like to see for this team is, is a, a real te- obviously a real team mentality, but – Clearly, a couple guys need to step up and, and be consistent, good performers for you every night so you can count on that. 
Now, the exact opposite of this, uh, of just the guys, was 10 years ago today, BYU defeated San Diego State in the top 10 matchup. Kawhi Leonard and Jimmer Fredette, 43 points from Jimmer. Kevin Durant, your uh, cousin, nephew, tweets, Jimmer Fredette's the greatest scorer in the world. Like, that was such an amazing game, Mark. What do you remember from that that you always, uh, always take away? It was just perfect college basketball. I mean, you have those moments where it's just perfect. And you're at uh, Viejas, and it's packed. And you have some of the best players in the country playing for the highest of stakes. And and then your, your team performs like you want them to perform. And Jimmer was just magic, and everyone else played great. And, uh, you know, I, there's a handful of those games. I think last year's Gonzaga game at home was one of those. But it's just perfect college basketball. And uh, after a year like we've had, I mean, I just I, – I hope we have some of those moments coming up because that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, yeah, that's certainly one that I'll always treasure. I remember the night before with my son uh, just shooting hoops with Steve Kerr and Clark Kellogg in, in San Diego's arena just talking about stuff. I, then the game. I mean, it was just like I, I've died and gone to heaven. This is what it's all about. It, it's fun. That's awesome. What a fun memory to uh, hang out with those guys. Okay, Mark, we appreciate the time and uh, safe travels to uh, Malibu through the blizzard today. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to Malibu. I don't want any part of Malibu. I, I already went this year. And they canceled the game. So Rubel's on his own. Yeah, oh, Greg, he's on Greg, his own. Greg is going solo, but that doesn't oh. mean, Mark, you're off the hook. You're still we are still gonna have our courtside conversation, even though you will probably be doing it from the chair that we're watching you at right now. If you can find me, I'll be on, but I'm not making any guarantees, Jason. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, Mark Durant, the only person to complain about Malibu ever. Mark, we appreciate the time. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I just hope that uh, we get a chance to watch Matt Harms play against San Francisco and St. Mary's in Provo for those uh, now disappearing potentially quad two games. Speaking of the 7-3 Dutchman, no question he was highly sought after when he announced he was transferring away from Purdue. He chose Provo and BYU. Why? This is Deep Blue with Matt Harms, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Born and raised in Amsterdam. Two amazing parents, Peter and Martina. My home life was absolutely awesome. I love both my parents so much. You know, they're the most important people in the world to me. He was a calm kid, but really passionate about things. He was 12, and there was a tournament for schools. So his gym teacher said, sorry, you're not in the team. And then a neighbor of me, who uh, was on a basketball club said, ah, let's Matt join us. And he stepped on the court and he loved it. And ever since he loved basketball. So it was great to see him running like a Bambi over, over the field. He really loved basketball. When I was younger, especially like between like 12 and 16, 17, is something I, I really struggled with. I was scared of a lot of things in ways that you really shouldn't be. By the time I was 15, I was still sleeping with the lights on. And if the lights in my room weren't on, there was a light on in the hallway with the door open. It was just fear of a lot of things, a fear of everything almost. I was scared of the world, basically. He was a really smart kid. So at first we didn't notice it, that he was afraid of the dark. 
So he was very smart, talking around it, very cautious, prudent, reluctant to do, uh, to, to, to do some things. And was holding him back. My parents were extremely supportive of me. You know, they never just dismissed me uh, as like, oh, this is stupid, you just need to get over it. They were there for me. And they were like, hey, we're going to help you through this. We're going to find ways to help this. It was a school trip. So I was with, with school that had a basketball team. We had the opportunity to go and go to Spain for like, I think it was five days and just kind of practice with their, with the team there, which was Joventut de Barcelona. I was just really excited for it because I thought it was going to be just a fun experience, go to Spain for a week, you know, with, with people from school. After two days, he called, Mom, Dad, you want me to stay here and to come and play here at Joventut de Barcelona? We said, okay. And because we knew Matt, we thought, oh, he will be a little bit reluctant. Maybe he goes in one year or in two years, but he, he really wanted to go. When I made the decision to go to Spain, I was still, you know, I'd gotten over some of those fears, but I was still a very shy kid. At that moment, uh, his ambition won over his fear. So this is Maggie, my girlfriend. Uh, we've been together for almost three years at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, we met when we were both at Purdue together. Arms dunks it all! Mark, offensive board! Lindsay had it blocked by Harms! I think that Matt is really unique in that he's really not afraid to move anywhere. He's willing to take those risks and he's not afraid of going somewhere else and trying new places. He's just a guy that loves to play basketball. Here he is, we see him defending the pick and roll, doesn't give up on the play. And he loves it. <laughs> he is hyped. I love it. Recruiting Matt Harms was the odyssey of odysseys. He was recruited by every program in the country. He came down to the final three of University of Kentucky, Texas Tech, both recent Final Four teams, and BYU. He didn't have any familiarity with BYU basketball other than watching the great work that the players did last year. Seemed like this far-fetched dream that was just kind of wasting our time in terms of reaching out to him. And after the first week of him getting really excited and him learning more about us and us learning more about him, it kind of turned into this, we got a shot. It kind of like this dream became sort of this reality of like, we got a shot to land, you know, one of the best transfers in college basketball, who, by the way, happens to stand seven foot three. We were trying to think of anything and everything that we could possibly do to reach him and just hanging on by a thread. I brought my two girls here to the Marriott Center and we had the crew put up happy birthday written in Dutch. And so we FaceTime Matt, just a quick hitter. And we're like, Matt, you know, this is a day, 24, 48 hours away from him making a decision. And we're like, Matt, we're having a debate right now about which of us can speak Dutch the best. I'm going to look at it back as like a cherished memory, but in the end, it just came down to everything just fit. Everything worked. Like when I came down to it, it was like pros and cons and I had everything listed out and I had an Excel spreadsheet with all the options and all the goods and bads and all the location, whatever. And then I just was like, hey, how do I feel about it? Like, How do I really truly feel about these places that I wanted to go? And I just said, I can't miss out on BYU. And at the end, he chooses with his heart. He chose with his heart for, for Coach Pope. And, and the coaching staff for BYU. BYU basketball does sign Matt Harms seven feet three inches out of the Netherlands. Here is a tenured guy from Purdue that has gone on deep NCAA tournament runs, including the Elite Eight just two years ago. When they talk about BYU's couple years down the road, five years down the road, when it's risen back to prominence in the way it should be, 
I want people to say like, okay, we had that first huge class of seniors that first year, and then that second year, we had a core of transfers. We had our three seniors. We had Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averett, and Matt Harms came through here, and they showed that we were, that BYU was there to stay. That's what my hope is for this year. Hey, Matt, here a boodschap van je van je vader, jongen. Bent al bijna zes jaar op pad om een geweldige profbasketballer te worden. En ik ben zo ontzettend trots op alles wat je daar al hebt gedaan. Dit kan alleen nog maar een succes worden. Dag lieve Matt, ik ben trots op je en ik hou van je. Dag jongen. Matt Harms, Deep Blue. What an adventure to get to uh, Provo. And that was so fun to cover that race for Matt Harms over the summer. Yeah, he was influenced by, uh, you know, both polls that happened during the summer and, and the BYU fan base, obviously, of the team last year. It took the team being good last year for BYU to have a chance because if you have Kentucky in the mix and then Texas Tech, who's been to a Final Four recently, why would you go to BYU? But BYU certainly offers something unique and is on the rise, and Matt Harms wanted to be a part of that. He's been a massive reason. BYU's in the bracket right now. Sure. Like, pun intended. The dude is uh, 42nd in the country in block percentage. He blocks 8.7% of all the opponent's two-point shots. Just, what? That's an insane number. So he's been fantastic. He obviously had a massive game eight days ago, going 23 points, 9 for 9. Second most makes in a game without a miss in BYU history to Kresmer Chosich's 12 for 12 in a game. So more Matt Harms. Hopefully that knee holds up. He's got that brace. Keeps getting banged into and falling over, but he's hanging in there, and he's a massive part of this team. I get the impression that as we get closer to March and we begin the February frenzy, that Matt's senior leadership is really going to show up in in, yep. in the pursuit of a tournament spot for BYU. Yeah, it'd be big time to get back to the tournament because last year's team, unfortunately, like everybody, didn't get a go. So this year's team needs to needs to do that because it's not just for this year's team, it's for last year's team too. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Before we get to the whip, we have some business to take care of. Last week, I was fortunate enough to earn an intense, hard-fought prop pick victory. So it's time for Jerem to spin the wheel of consequence. What's it going to be on a Friday? And Jerem, you have to speak in the third person. It's already landed for you. We should make a rule. It has to be an original one. There's okay. so many good ones on here. You hate this more than I do. The third person offense. Oh, yeah. I throw a flag on you verbally if you, you do. What, like, what, what you just said, I? You just said, oh, Jerem thinks that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's get into the whip with the third person in play. Cougar Whip represented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Tomorrow must win for BYU. Yes, it's a must win for BYU. They can't afford back-to-back losses for the first time in Mark Pope's career. Then these, then the committee starts to wonder, are right, BYU not that great? If they drop back-to-back games, they should win. Yeah, tomorrow is a must win for the Cougars and their resume. Yeah, we just outlined that, uh, well, World War One and Two were must wins, so I hate the phrase. But, yeah, BYU... Well, I, BYU needs the win. Jerem hates the phrase? Jerem hates the phrase. <laughs> yeah, next. Whatever. 
BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope, no shocker, wants fans back in the Marriott Center. We all do. Question is how? Listen to this. Uh, We're floating all kinds of ideas right now about getting fans back in. Uh, Some um, probably more reasonable than others. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, the Super Bowl is bringing fans in. uh, Frontline healthcare workers that have have, uh, been vaccinated. Um, I'm actually uh, pushing for an actual vaccination drive game where you come get your vaccine and you come in the building. I don't know if any of it's going to work, but man, we're dying to get fans back in this building. You know what? Hazmat suits are in play, Jerem. We tracked down a royal blue one. More on that in a moment. So question now is, does Jerem foresee fans at games prior to the end of this college basketball season? For BYU? For BYU. Jerem does not. (laughs) I really want this to happen. I think it'd be great. I think there's some gate to be had. I think fans want to be in there. I think you could do it responsibly. BYU's chosen not to. The all-in campaign could be helped by this if there were some fans. I'd love for BYU to figure out what Jerem would love. BYU to figure out what Utah State and the Utah Jazz have done successfully. Yes. Other teams in the state are doing it. So let's make it happen. preventing it. I want BYU to pull a Boise State football scenario, except actually offer a few tickets to the Gonzaga side, right? Get a few thousand fans in. Even if it's just for that game, the regular season finale, like 1,500 to 2,000 Can it be for every home game in February? What's the holdup? I don't know. BYU signing Raider DeMooney was upgraded from a three-star to a four-star player by 24-7 Sports. What does this mean for Brigham? It means that BYU has one more four-star recruit. It's it's great. You know, I mean, it helps the recruiting ratings like a a couple of numbers. Because that means wins. Oh, wait, it doesn't for BYU. Well, how about that? Um, So it's it's nice. Again, it it boosts the the recruiting rankings a bit, but I... I don't, ultimately, like, can he play? Can Raider play? We'll see him in four years. Is he going to be awesome? <laughs> we think he will be. Yeah. Luckily, will he's only on a four-star be awesome in four years from now? He's only a two-year mission guy, which is good, but it mattereth not. It's nice. Cool. Great. Yeah. If, if it doesn't mean wins, I don't care. Dennis Pitta was a two-star, one-star, walk-on, no-star. The no-star on this show. <laughs> All right, BYU Women's Soccer begins their season tomorrow. Jerem, what are your expectations for the Cougars in strange spring season? Yeah, no Elise Flake. That's a big loss up front with a million goals she scored last year, 20-something, right? But you still have Michaela Coulihan and Cameron Tucker and uh, Olivia Wade's back from a mission. Josie Gwynn is, is Jelich is legit. So I, I think this is going to be I... a... Du- <clears throat> this is hard for me. For Jerem. This is hard for Jerem. <laughs> I... I Jeremy expects domination. <laughs> I'm not going to learn how to comfortably speak in third person. It's so tough. I'm going. Jerem will just not crush this because this is stupid. <laughs> it's so tough. I know. Jerem will not get used to this. I had to do it. Uh, I expect BYU to win the West Coast Conference again. And I expect BYU to make a nice run in the NCAA tournament again because they've been practicing for a long time. BYU football took advantage of this. BYU women's soccer and women's volleyball, they have an advantage over other teams in the WCC that have been essentially off the reservation. Like, they haven't been able to practice. Yeah, Stanford men's volleyball, by the way, got to campus to start practicing last week. That is that's what, crazy. That's why, the, well, that county, gnarly, right? Holy cow. Yeah, so I expect domination. Advantage BYU with um, how they've handled things through the COVID pandemic. Okay, Mark Pope gave us some interesting insight into Matt Harms. 
Matt Harms is, will not tell a lie. Like, I'm, I'm talking about, he will not. It, and it's such a unique thing. We actually had a comment, and it's come up several different times in beautiful ways. We were actually having a conversation uh, last week where we were doing a charitable kind of act. And so we talked about, hey, just, um, you know, kind of talking about this and talking about that. And Matt's like, well, I can't say that because that's not exactly true. Spencer, when was the last time you lied? The last time I lied, probably last night when I told my little girl, Sailor, that I was going to take her to timeout if she didn't finish all of her dinner when I had no intention of taking her to timeout. But I, I offered up the threat. Is that, a, is that an okay lie? Intention's not a lie. You have to be dishonest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. When's the last time you lied? Jerem has never lied. Right then. <laughs> right, right then. then. Yeah. Just a moment ago. And finally, in three games this week, Jimmer Fredette has scored 70 points, messed around and dropped a triple-double while scoring 42 as well. Jerem, have you ever experienced a sports week that equals this? No, and rarely has anyone else. <laughs> Dennis Bettis certainly hasn't. Well, he caught a Hello, touchdown Jerem. in the Super Bowl. Sorry, did he have 70, 34, triple-double, and 42? Was nope. it even the game-winning touchdown? <laughs> I don't know. Was it? It might have been. That, that game was so boring, they turned the lights off. <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I haven't experienced scoring 70 points in a game. I think I scored like 30 points in a game when I was an AAU ball like nice. early on, but 70? Nice. That's ridiculous. 30's pretty good. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A straight-up Malibu mess. BYU loses in Pepperdine's paradise once again. The Cougars have now lost five times in ten trips to Firestone Fieldhouse in WCC play. And Jason, it always stings. This one just may carry some added sting. (laughs) Shep, what did the loss do to BYU's at-large chances? Look, right now, seeding probably takes a bit of a ding, but the loss yesterday, at least in my opinion, doesn't mean BYU is in jeopardy of not making the NCAA tournament. In my opinion, BYU is in. I think they're still firmly in when it's all said and done. Yes, it was a hiccup. Yes, it was a game BYU is favored and lost. I, I don't think it is ultimately so overwhelming that BYU cannot bounce back from this. It was, it was good that yesterday when BYU lost, it was a quad three. Today, it's actually a quad two loss. Oh, So overnight, the loss actually became less bad. Yep. So, which still then, because I know Greg Rubel was talking about this on the radio broadcast yesterday, up until yesterday, Mark Pope had never lost a game at BYU against a quad three opponent. And that very well could remain, Jason. So yesterday, that streak was over. Today, it's back on. (laughs) So so that certainly helps that it went from a quad three loss to now a quad two loss. Look, assuming all or at least the majority of the games that BYU has on the schedule, that they can actually play those, there is ample time for BYU to be able to move past this and regain its momentum. You you obviously are still going to get a bump. By playing Gonzaga, mm-hmm. you're still going to be able to face St. Mary's here. You still, you know, you have all these opportunities still to play games and get back on a a winning streak. It, yes, it was a ding 
to seeding yesterday, but in my opinion, it does not change BYU in terms of whether they're in the tournament or not. We hope and anticipate, based on what is happening right now in WCC scheduling, that BYU will get the home game with San Francisco as well. Correct. And that will help. Right now, San Francisco is just outside of the top 75, and they playing BYU helps their metric, win or lose. We need, and by we, I mean BYU basketball and Mark Pope need San Francisco to be in the top 75 so they have another Quadrant 1 victory, and that gives them four. So many moving parts to this. In fact, I said yesterday when the stat was discussed in our little group chat, oh man, this is first BYU's first Quadrant 3 loss, and I said, just wait. Just wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> just, just see what happens tomorrow. See what the metric does when Pepperdine is given credit for beating BYU. And voila, all of a sudden it's a quadrant two loss for BYU. It doesn't look as bad to the committee. And, and I know it's weird because like, you're telling me if, it's, if Pepperdine's the 136th rated team, it's a quadrant three loss. And because they're 135, it's, it's two. And yes. That, and that makes a difference. It does. It, it does. That's what the committee <laughs> is looking at. It's fickle, but that's what they're looking at. And I know BYU fans, the loss in Malibu always stings. It, it always stings. I don't know why BYU doesn't play consistently well at Firestone Fieldhouse, but it's just a thing. It, it is. Why can't Gonzaga consistently beat BYU in Spokane? Why have they lost three times to BYU and they never lose to anybody else? I don't know. It just there, there are some things that we cannot explain. I feel like saying BYU is back on the bubble is irrational girlfriend mode, Jason. And I'm thinking specifically of a wonderful young lady that I dated while I was in college. And I won't throw out names. I'll just call her. Let's make this show really interesting and actually give out the name. Uh, no. No, we're not going to do that. I'll, I'll, just, uh, I'll just call her pageant girl, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so we're narrowing it down. She was in a pageant. No. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that. So, so that's a humble brag that <laughs> no, he was dating a beauty queen no, is no, what that no, is. No, okay. that's not. Okay. But carry what on. What I'm saying is, hey, <laughs> we need to view the big picture here, people. It was not five days ago that you and Jeremy and I all sat on this desk at one time or another and said, okay, BYU's got 14 games remaining. Hey, if they go 12-2, and two, that would be amazing, which means – we were already anticipating that BYU would slip up one other time besides Gonzaga. Right. So why now when BYU loses to Pepperdine? Oh, no! They're back on the bubble. What a terrible loss! It's irrational girlfriend mode, Jason, because you forget every good thing that has happened. And yes, this is personal for me because I felt like I did a lot of things right for this beauty queen. Okay? For pageant girl. And then one thing that bothered her Erase all of the good. And I, I Are you willing to admit what the one thing was? No. <laughs> I'm not willing to admit I really that. want to know what the one thing that you did that bothered her was. I didn't introduce her as my girlfriend to another female at a BYU football game. Okay? <laughs> I just said, this is pageant girl, and this is the other girl. And because it wasn't a clear statement, declaration... Irrational girlfriend mode. Okay, that this is uh, seriously. I was thinking about this last night. I was like, this that's my this is what's happening right now. With BYU fans, they're thinking irrationally. Oh my gosh, one loss, but it was to Pepperdine. BYU's back on the bubble. Oh, M- Mark Pope, like he, he wasn't supposed to lose these type of games. We sat here not a week ago and said we anticipate that there's going to be a weird game. Like BYU's guards aren't going to play well. Uh, what happened yesterday? Well, and it's the most they rec- didn't make shots. It's the most recent game, too. It's the same thing. BYU felt that 
Everybody felt this way after BYU lost to USC, and then they bounce back. Then BYU loses to Boise State, and you kind of feel the same way. It's, it's the most recent game, and, and it certainly was a frustrating game. I mean, Mark Pope, you know, after the game, was talking about, look, and, and the turnovers, there were just way too many turnovers to overcome in that game. BYU turned the ball over 13 times, you know, and, and it, it just some really key junctures. The second half started, BYU goes on a nice little run. They're up by 11, and you're thinking, okay, they've figured this out. They're in a really nice rhythm right now. And then turnovers just kind of destroyed everything. Yeah. Why does the one, and I know it was an ugly loss, Jason. It was ugly. But why do we get caught in the trap of one bad game erasing every good thing that has happened to this point? Because it's, we, we're into the instant gratification and everything that happens right now is the most important thing, good or bad. Come on! People, that's, that's that is that's reality right now. I know, I know, and more so now than ever in the year twenty twenty. By the way, and that is why, for for fans' sakes, but certainly for the basketball team's sake, I love the fact that they were able to work something out with Pacific to get this game moved up and to be able to play Saturday. Otherwise, you're having oh. to sit on that oh. loss for about six days. So this allows you to be able to mentally move on to a new opponent, yes. get back out on the floor, and Get back on a winning track. Yes. I love that they were able to get this game scheduled on Saturday. Break up with a rational girlfriend and go find another go date. Go find a new girlfriend go and make sure you introduce date. you or her as your girlfriend. <laughs> That's not, uh, you know, give credit for any of the sacrifices that have been made for months before, but just, well, everything's ruined because you didn't say this. You do realize that whoever... Irrational girlfriend. Whoever pageant girl is... <laughs> Certainly knows she's pageant girl and is watching this and is so mad right now. Read all about it. And we begin today's trending topic with the following tweet. Question came in from Jeff Ringwood asking ESPN's bracketologist expert Joe Lenardi, how about BYU basketball after the flop on the road yesterday? Speaking of the loss at Pepperdine. Joe Lenardi responds, as I like to say, a ding, not a dent. And as we have pointed out, BYU remains a single-digit seed in Lenardi's latest bracketology, number nine, facing number eight, Louisville. Jerem, the question now is, how many more non-Gonzaga losses can BYU sustain and still feel good about making the NCAA tournament? It's probably two. So let's break it down. There's a general and a specific conversation here. General is, okay, just overall wins. TeamRankings.com, it's a fun reference for this. Who knows how accurate that is. But um, they say if BYU has 21 wins, that's a 94% chance to get in. 22 is 99%. 23 is 100%. Uh, sanitizer can only do 99.9, but yet team rankings can do 100. I don't understand. And they're 13 and 4 right now. Yeah, so if BYU, which has 10 games left in theory, we'll see if BYU actually plays all those 10. Who knows? Um, nine before Gonzaga. Let, and, and then let's say BYU is the two seed. That's logical. And wins that game and loses to Gonzaga. Uh, in that situation, BYU could go 8 and 4 um, to be able to get to 21 wins. BYU could go, um, you know, nine and three to to get to twenty two. So that includes two Gonzaga losses. So eight and four would be two. Uh, two losses equals to non Gonzaga in this situation I just put out equals ninety four percent chance. So then there's the specific. What losses are they? 
So Pepperdine became a quad two because they beat a quad one team in BYU. So if it's a quad four, no, that's probably equal to like two losses if you have one of those or something, right? I, I would think that if BYU has quad two home losses to St. Mary's or San Francisco or something, that's different than quad three or fours. So Mark Pope has yet to lose a quad three or four technically, although Pepperdine is 134. You have to be 135 and in to be quad two. Mm-hmm. Okay. 76 to 135. So it depends what kind of loss BYU has. But I, I think I think two could uh, could be good. Or that would be bad, but it wouldn't put BYU out. First and foremost, it depends on, as we were just talking about, Jerem, who the loss or losses come against. If it's a quad four loss to San Diego or Gulp Portland, then things get really weird in a hurry, even with just one more loss. But if the loss happens... Against San Francisco, assuming that game gets back on the schedule, and that's an entirely different topic that we'll hey, on in just a moment. We'll get that one now. St. Mary's, or maybe at Santa Clara, another quad two type loss, and BYU should still feel pretty comfortable. One more quad two non Gonzaga loss firmly, and two more is bubbly, and three, and selection Sunday becomes just a wild mess of nerves. It's still like 77% at three, like. 20 wins, so it's still pretty good. True, but the committee likes teams that are playing well at the end of the season, and if BYU sputters to 20 wins, yeah, well, what if they lose it? Yeah, they could lose a couple right now and then go in hot, winning correct six of seven or five of seven or something. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Jeremy, then there's the question of what happens if BYU doesn't play every game left on the schedule. What if the Cougars aren't able to reschedule USF or St. Mary's can't come to Provo and BYU doesn't have one of those notable quad two opportunities remaining on the schedule? Then things can get a little bit weird. Then you really have to take care of business against teams that you're heavily favored against, knowing that you can't really do anything to somewhat pad your resume. Yeah, BYU is good, but they're not so good that they're going to avoid the loss that happened Wednesday. Um, and I, I mentioned that, I think, earlier in the week or last week, where I was like, I think BYU is going to go on a run here up to Gonzaga, but they're going to lose at some point. It's Unfo- always a weird game. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately that happened Wednesday. You just hope it doesn't happen against one of the lower-tier teams. So you look at the teams in the net right now. Okay, so obviously Gonzaga at two, BYU at thirty-seven, St. Mary's at sixty-five, so that's quad two, um, and then San Francisco. At the, but the road game with St. Mary's was a quad one win because it's top seventy-five, right? Uh, but the home game would be quad two. San Francisco at eighty-three, that's good. LMU at one seventeen, surprisingly. Uh, Santa Clara at one thirty-three, Pepperdine at one thirty-four, Pacific at one forty. So that's quad. Well, it's way out because it's home game, but um, yeah, just beat. Beat all these teams. You can afford one more loss. Don't make it a quad four, quad three to San Diego or Portland, and then you're, you're probably good. Um, compete with Gonzaga. I don't expect BYU to beat Gonzaga. If they do, wow, massive bonus. BYU's definitely looking at like a six uh, seed or a seven seed at that point. BYU is hoping, and, and this is kind of a long shot it feels now because San Francisco is eight spots out of the top 75, that their win on the hill can become a fourth quad one victory. Yeah, that'd be nice. Like, who's going to be the third best team in the league? Because it's obviously a down year for St. Mary's. Like, Tommy Cousy's the best player on that team. Don't get me wrong, Tommy Cousy's a nice player, but he's not like the big three they had last year and in years previous. He's no Jordan Ford. Right, and and uh, no, Jordan Ford's really good. Uh, you know, one of the best players in the league last year, uh, leading scorer with the only child in the league. So 
he could be doing a nice job, but he's looking around going, who do I have to work with here? And uh, St. Mary's is not the same kind of team. San Francisco's uh, decent, uh, but this league is Gonzaga in a tier of its own, typically BYU and St. Mary's. This year, just BYU. Then there's this gap, and you look around, and you're going, okay, there's maybe like two NIT teams here or something. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I doubt the NIT happens um, at all. I I just don't see how. It's like the NCAA tournament will happen, but it's like, hey, where's some goggles on the bus? It's just like weird um, (laughs) to just have that one, which has to happen because it's a billion dollars. And it's, a, it's 1.7 mil for every team that gets in. It's a really important thing for a piece of Americana. You think about all the minor league baseball teams that are struggling, having not had a season last year, and who knows this year and whatnot. Think of all the athletic departments that don't have FBS football that makes a bunch of money. Um, and, and the NCAA tournament is necessary for the survival of many of the athletic departments in, in the country. And not just D1, D2 and D3 as well. So th- this is a big deal. The NCAA tournament this year is a big deal for the economy of athletics, amateur athletics in America. And with that backdrop, you can understand why Mark Few and Gonzaga are saying, hey, should we shut it down for a little while, like three weeks before the tournament starts in Indiana, so that we can guarantee that we're healthy and ready to roll? Because that is, as you said, Even if you shut down, you can't guarantee it. Yeah, Just being home is a risk. Being anywhere is a risk for exposure to somebody else. Unless you're bubbled, there's risk. You can minimize risk. But, like, we didn't have access to the football players this year in person with the media. But you know what happened when they went to class? Random BYU student had access to that player. Random BYU apartment dwellers with the football team had access to those players. You can't fully do it unless you just load them into the MTC and you just lock it down. And you. But even the NBA players are complaining about that kind of situation, yes. right? They're not bubbled like they were in Orlando. That worked because you could literally contain everybody. There's no situation that is fully non-exposable. BYU until they lost to Pepperdine, may have been in the conversation with Gonzaga too. Hey, we, we kind of want to hop on that train and be careful as we push forward, but now I feel like BYU doesn't have that option because they got to win games. they got, right. they got to prove that they still deserve a spot in the NCAA tournament, and their resume right now, even with the Pepperdine loss, still looks pretty good. Number 9 seed, as we've talked about, facing Louisville and Lenardi's bracket. They dropped two spots from a 9 to an 11 in Jerry Palm's bracket on CBS Sports. The Athletic, we'll talk to Brian Bennett, the guy who's making that bracket, has BYU as a 9 seed. And Team Rankings is flirting with BYU around the 9-10 seed line. 83% chance to make the tournament. Jeremy, it looks good right now. I, I don't. Yeah, everything's fine. I don't envision BYU not bouncing back because that's... The onus of this team, that's the onus of the Mark Pope era, is if they do stumble, they come back and they play well, and it's not just for one game after. They typically go on a nice little run after. So we'll see yeah. what BYU can do in the nine leading up to the circled the calendar date against Gonzaga to close out the uh, regular season. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, typically you look at it and you go, okay, maybe that's, a w- this year I'm like, hey, if BYU does, just competes, I'm happy because Gonzaga is so good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all about the other games. And BYU's uh, net, 37, obviously taking a 10-spot drop post-Pepperdine was a it's like, oh, shoot, that's a big jump, uh, big jump down. But all, all good. Just keep winning. You climb back up. BYU uh, at 37 is a quad one game, uh, you know, when, when teams come to Provo and – 
squad two and BYU goes there right now. So, yeah, BYU can certainly uh, put itself in a good position. They're in a good position. BYU's in a good position. I-, I didn't think BYU would be in this position last year. I didn't know who we'd have. Right now, BYU's relying on two grad transfers to be two of the top guys. And thank goodness they came, Matt Harms and Brandon Avery. It is a transfer nation of BYU basketball. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now, longtime friend of the show. He is the voice of the Pacific Tigers and the AAA Reno Aces as well. Zach Bayrudi back on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, you've had some changes in your life. you got a new baby in the house. How are things? Thanks for having me, fellas. Uh, yeah, big changes. Nora Adele Beirudi was born uh, just about four weeks ago, and she's, uh, she's uh, become the love of our lives, and she's just the best, the best little thing that's ever come, come on this earth. So uh, everything is great. Uh, it's actually kind of a blessing in disguise for me that I'm able to be home with her now, although it's, you know, I, I wish things weren't so different. Uh, it's, it's a, so there's a silver lining for us, let's put it that way, because we get to spend time with our little girl. All right, so so Zach, both Spencer and I each have four children. So obviously a little bit of catching up to do. But four have you each? Eat, we each wow. have four kids. So no, but here, have you have you had in in the in the short four weeks that you've been a father? Have you had like a dad moment that you look back like, "Yep, I'm officially a dad." Because we all have those. There, there was the moment of utter exhaustion when we were at the hospital uh, when she was born. Uh, and it was like, you know, 24 to, to 48 hours into my fatherhood. And the doctors and nurses, God love them, they kept coming in, you know, they poke and prod and check on her every half hour, hour. And, you know, just when you think you're going to get maybe an hour or two of sleep, they come in and, and your sleep is disrupted. And there was a, a period where I had like one hour of sleep in, in the last 40 and I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're just at the starting line. And uh, it was, it, I had to kind of give myself a pep talk to get through it. But once we got yes. through that rough patch, yeah. it, was, it was all good. I'm sure you guys can relate. God love you. I don't, I mean, I have the bandwidth maybe for two, but four is like next level kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure what we're doing yet, Zach. But if it makes you feel any better, my latest child was born on December 29th, so I'm very much in the Congrats, same buddy. category as you right now. And it, uh, Congrats, I, Thank you. I know that the sleep schedule is, is certainly stressed, and it doesn't make it any easier that now you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm the play-by-play voice of the Pacific Tigers, and, oh, there's a game on Saturday, so I guess I'm going to Pro Bowl. Do you have plans on Saturday, Zach? Uh, I, I had plans to uh, to be here uh, when St. Mary's was coming to town. So I had I had the day blocked off. I don't know if I quite had it blocked off to be in, in Provo, but I guess here, there, wherever it, at this point, it doesn't matter. A game's a game, and I'm excited to to be able to do a game whenever one comes up. Give us an idea of what this team is like this year, and maybe that's difficult for Coach Stoudemire to even figure out at 5-3, and three, and you had so many games that have been canceled or postponed. What type of team is this Pacific Tigers team? <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I know I'm on here for some, for some, some deep insight. And I, I, guys, I really don't know. And, I, and to be honest, to be really quite frank with you, um, you know, we, we played, I think it was four games in the non-conference. One of them was against a Division II opponent in, in Westmont College in Santa Barbara. Um, you know, so there was, not a, there was not a great sample size 
of games before we had to shut it down for COVID pause, you know, there's really not a great sample size of practice. So before we played Santa Clara, I was interviewing one of our assistant coaches, you know, my usual pregame scout interview for the radio. And after we, you know, ended the interview, you know, he and I were chatting and he was like, I I really don't, I really don't know what to expect here. I mean, we hadn't practiced. We had a 24 day COVID pause before that. We really hadn't had a chance to practice. It's, it's a pretty new group of guys. I mean, Jaleel Tripp, you guys remember him from last year. Uh, now with the Memphis Grizzlies, like he, he was our guy last year. And you knew that no matter what happened, you'd have Jaleel be able to get you uh, some buckets and, and, and get you 20. We, we just don't know if we had that guy this year. Uh, there, there's a chance we do. You know, there's a couple of guys who are candidates to be able to be that player. But t- as far as being a cohesive unit, w- w- trying to figure it out, you know, and then they came out and scored 14 points before three minutes had elapsed versus Santa Clara. They turned the ball over 22 times against LMU and found a way to come back and win. And then, you know, then the road trip last week, which was a disaster, you know, going to Pepperdine and and losing, being down by 35 at one point. And then, of course, you have to follow that up with the, you know, going to Spokane, which is not what you want after losing, uh, you know, by 35 at Pepperdine. So you have yin and yang. You have uh, two extremes, and we're trying to figure out where this team lies and, and somewhere in the middle, I'm guessing. All right, Zach, so to update BYU fans, let's talk about some of those potential stars for the Tigers that you say could could step into the role that Jalil Tripp uh, filled so nicely for what well, felt like forever, I'm sure, as you know, he, he took it to the West Coast Conference for a long time. So who are the guys right now that you think might be the ones that BYU fans should watch out for? So there are two, two candidates, uh, Jeremiah Bailey, who uh, – had scored in double figures in every game, I think up until LMU. Uh, and he, he's really transformed his body. He, he took his conditioning seriously in the off season. He's slimmed down and, and all the work that he's put in has really showed he's had a great motor, um, you know, and, and he's been scoring a bunch. And then Danis Jenkins, who's a sophomore uh, out of uh, Dallas, Texas, he's going to be a very talented scorer in this league for the next few years. Um, you know, those, those two, I think are at the top of my list right now. Uh, maybe some other guys come up, behind them and, and make a case. I mean, Brock Finstoon has been kind of a junkyard dog kind of guy. He's been all over the place. Uh, I mean, those, the, but, but uh, Jeremiah Bailey and Danis Jenkins have been the, the two guys uh, that Pacific has, has counted on to score the basketball up until this point. You know, Zach, one of the things that we've been talking about on this show over the last couple of days is the conference tournament and Mark Few and his athletic director, you know, there have been some quotes coming out about whether or not the, the, the tournament should even be played, what's to gain, you know, what, what's the priority? Is it, you know, getting as many team, a third team in or is it protecting the teams that are already in? What are your thoughts on the conference tournament and whether or not it should be held, should it be modified, any of those scenarios? You know, it's, it's really tough to, to put everything into context. I guess you, you start from a place where the West Coast Conference probably took it on the chin more than any other conference in terms of what it meant last year, having, you know, three teams that really were going to the NCAA tournament and then to not have the tournament to lose out on all that revenue. I get that, that the WCC wants to, you know, protect, protect its bids and all that. But, you know, you, I heard you guys talking about Pepperdine a little bit earlier and, and you know, no disrespect to you guys, but I mean, ask Colby Ross if he thinks the conference tournament shouldn't be held. Ask Cam Edwards. Like th- those are two all conference, all league players who are, are, you can make the argument, you know, top, top five players in this league. So I think that there are uh, players around the league that deserve a chance to compete in the conference tournament. I don't think outside of Gonzaga that there's much is, that is a done deal. I mean, Gonzaga is the consensus number one in the country and in this conference, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I don't think that, that, 
canceling the conference tournament or not allowing teams to make a case is, is the way to go. I mean, San Francisco beat Virginia earlier this year, and I know it's a weird year, but like, are we going to have a season or not? Like there are teams that are going through this, like every other team, uh, you know, it's not easy for a team like Pacific to have to get last minute, get on a plane, travel this weekend and come back. I mean, that's, that's not an easy trip. We don't charter, uh, you know, like Gonzaga and BYU. So, you know, there's teams that are going through the motions to make this season a reality. I think it's disrespectful to them to say, yeah, you know what? We're just going to protect our, our two for sure bids and, and move on. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. I think it sends a wrong message to the, to the teams. Zach, for the record, and this is me speaking, my personal opinion, my first thought was the West Coast Conference Tournament's over on Tuesday. So there are like 10 days between the end of the tournament and the beginning of the NCAA tournament. So isn't there already a built-in buffer? I am for this. Uh, if the tournament were ending the Saturday or Sunday before on Selection Sunday, then I could understand. But I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that with a 10-day already built-in period, the West Coast Conference can't figure this thing out. Yeah, it's a bit weird, and I know I know they're probably dealing with a lot of uh, elements logistically that we're not even really hearing about. I don't know what the tournament's going to look like. We've all talked about it, uh, you know, on the last road trip. Uh, my my friends and I on the road in the travel party, our trainer and support staff, you know, we were jamming about, hey, what's this thing going to look like in March, and is this is this really going to happen? And I don't know the logistical hurdles that you know Aaron Velichko and everyone at the WCC is is jumping through right now. So. I can't, I can't really speak to that, but you're right, Spencer. I think that there's, there's a, a built-in buffer period to, to be able to get the tournament in and to figure it out going into the NCAA tournament. I want to go back to somewhat of the, of the COVID discussion. We, BYU has already played you know, St. Mary's. They played San Francisco. You know, we, we know what the area in all of California, but Northern California is, you know, one of the areas that's been hit the hardest in the quarantines and shutdowns and things like that. Give everybody an idea of what all of the teams up in Northern California really have been dealing with over the last couple of months. Because you mentioned, you know, having the stops and the starts, and it's not just affecting games, it's affecting practices. Give everybody an idea of what the last couple of months have been like in that area. Just a smorgasbord of the unknown, you know, and it goes county by county here. So, you know, you look at where where Pacific is in in, uh, San Joaquin County. It's totally different than where Santa Clara County was, which had a complete and total shutdown to the point where Santa Clara had to completely move not only its its games to Santa Cruz, but they had to stay in in Santa Cruz. Uh, They couldn't come back to Santa Clara without a, a quarantine. So you're talking a very extreme case in in the case of of Santa Clara and you know here in San Joaquin County they have gyms and barbershops and and all that are still closed but you could still you know go in and out without having to quarantine so it's just it depends on where you are and that's what makes it so hard and it's not like Santa Clara County is you know a, a, a good distance away I mean Santa Clara County I can get there in in 50 minutes to an hour so it just it's it's really really strange and just depending on where you are it can be one extreme or the other. So um in terms of what what they've had to deal with it it uh it's kind of somewhere in that realm and uh practices obviously have been uh very tough. It's, you know you you test positive, you can't practice and uh you know in in the case of uh of Santa Clara you can't even practice at home even if you don't have positive tests. So uh, we're just uh, we're trying to figure out, I guess, day by day, and that's what makes it so hard. 
Zach, it's great to catch up with you, man. And we're thrilled that a game between Pacific and BYU is happening on Saturday and just the ability of both staffs and schools and programs to, to make this come together. We wish you health and safety amidst a crazy time in Northern California. And congratulations again on the birth of your beautiful new baby girl. Spencer, Jason, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys soon. Looking forward to Provo this weekend for sure. Let's go, man. Zach Bay Rudy, a class act with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, just it's a strange, and that's, I think that's what he talked about, where you have these different counties that are not separated by that great of distance, and it's completely different. You know, we saw even here in the state of Utah, where Salt Lake County and Utah County and, you know, Wasat, it, it, it was everybody's just dealing with their own set of circumstances, uh, yet we're all in this together. It's, it's kind of a very strange situation. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, very, very much. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We have a bracketology update of sorts from Joe Lenardi. On his Twitter account, he posts updated sheets. Not a full bracket, but at least an updated sheet every day. Yes. And Jason, guess what? BYU is not listed on the bubble. He still has the West Coast Conference with two teams in, Zags and BYU, and the Cougars are not listed as part of the last four buys the last four in, for that matter. See? So they are firmly in, yes. in spite of the, oh, another terrible loss at Pepperdine! Irrational girlfriend mode applies perfectly here, Jason. Pageant, pageant girl rears her ugly head again. See the big picture. Okay, it's time for our prop picks recap. Uh, Jason, your, your proxy prop picks are not going well for either Jerem or myself. That's right. Number one, which combo will score I? more points? Kessel Edwards and Matt Harms, Colby Ross, and Alex Barcelo, or the BYU bench? Yeah, Jerem went uh, with Ross and Barcelo. Mm-hmm. They had 19 and 12 between them. And for you, Spencer, I uh, I took uh, Edwards and Harms. They went for 18 and 6. So uh, Jerem got that one. <sighs> for what it's worth, Jason, I think I probably would have gone with Edwards and Harms. So okay. you're off the hook. For okay, that. thank you. You're off thank the hook you. for that one. All right, number two. Will Caleb Lohner have more points or rebounds? Uh, Jerem went with points. He had 11. <laughs> for you, Spencer, I went with rebounds. <laughs> Look, when the obvious choice is taken, you, you got to go the other one. No, you don't. Make make Ben come up with a different prop. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Jerem got that one too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised. See, I, yeah. I, I would have gone with points there. Okay, and forced the hand. Next. Okay, Trevin Nell made four three pointers on Saturday in a win against Pepperdine. How many will he make in the second game against Pepperdine? Closest without going over. Trevin didn't have a great shooting day, nor did many of the BYU guards. Zero for three, so no points awarded. Yeah, Jerem said two, I said three. <sighs> Actually, you said three through me. Yeah. Um, Jerem's going to go into the weekend with a two to nothing lead, so I'm, I'm going to need something special on Saturday, and I will be making my own picks. <laughs> well, yeah, you and Jerem are back tomorrow, so. <laughs> At least he spins the wheel tomorrow for last set. Yes, that's true. The last set of picks. That's true. But I, I could be spinning the wheel next week, that's for sure. So let's do Pacific prop picks. Wait, that, that didn't go for last game? 
Number nine wasn't? Because we didn't have a chance to pay off the previous Oh, the previous week. one. Yes. Okay. okay. Blame it on COVID. Great. Ben, right, what do you have for go. us? Prop pick number one. More first or second half points for BYU tomorrow? First. BYU's averaging seven more points per half in the second, but I think a big first half will yield uh, a win for me on this one. Um, for me, I'm going to say second half because of what you just pointed out, but there is a little part of me that feels like BYU is going to be mad and play really well in the first half. All right, pick two. Which BYU Cougar will lead the team in three-pointers made? Alex Barcelo. He's shooting 21% in league from three after 63% in non-conference, but I think he snaps out of it in this game. If it's not Alex Barcelo, it's going to be Brandon Averett. It's one of the two. It's one somebody from the ABBA backcourt. And the last one, how many points will Spencer Johnson score tomorrow closest without going over? Okay, uh, he's riding high off of his engagement Monday. He's going to score eight. He had 15 at Pepperdine to lead the way. Oh, I hate to do this, but I'm just going to go low in hopes that I win that point. So I'm going to say four. <laughs> Maybe I'll have four steals as well. <laughs> who, who knows? Now watch him go for like 24. Nice. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Okay, let's play a little uh, buy, sell, or hold. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Let's bring in Ben back. All right, guys, this is a resume edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Team rankings had BYU as 97% chance to get into the tournament. Buy, Sell, or Hold. BYU is an NCAA attorney at large lock. Well, uh, they're not an at large uh, lock until they're uh, locked, I guess. But uh, think, I don't see things going south. I think BYU will continue to go on a rampage here um, towards the end of the season. I see a non Gonzaga loss somewhere, at least one. I don't know when or where, but if BYU pulls that off, uh, BYU is going to be like a six seed. So let's keep it going. I, I, I agree. I think they're firmly on their way to being an at large. I would agree. I'm, I'm buying that. I, I think they're. I think they're. Uh, buy. Thank you. So I'm going to buy it. I didn't declare. Yeah, you bought. You yep, buy. I buy. I buy. We both buy on that okay. one. And and I think this is a team that's figured out how to win in different ways in different games, and that's important. And there's not home court advantage anywhere really. So they're just playing an empty gym. So that doesn't come into play down the stretch. One could argue BYU's been doing this for. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. There's there's a chance they lose one game, other than Gonzaga somewhere somewhere down the line. Same but I, home, but I but I still think. That they that they are uh, um, in the NCAA tournament, and if they do what I, I say, seven seed probably if if they if they win out every game but Gonzaga. So so there you go. Yeah, I'm buying it, man, big time. All right, next one: Lenardi, Palm, Bracken Matrix, Team Rankings. All has BYU as a nine seed going into the tournament. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU as a single digit seed. I'm I'm gonna hold it for right now um, because. We both think there's a chance they could lose a game. Uh, and we also, I, I think it's 50 50 whether they win out or lose one down the stretch, other than Gonzaga. If they lose, I think they're teetering between a 9 and a 10. If they win out, I think they're comfortably a 6 or a 7. You think and one loss sends them to double digits? To, to 9 and maybe 10. But th- then, the, then the tournament plays into it. You know, they go in as the two seed in the tournament, which they should, right? Um, do, they, semi, do they win in the semifinals? The yeah, they win in the semifinals. If they lose in the semifinals, then they're teetering. I still think they're in, but they're teetering on a 9 or 10. So so I'm going to hold it for right now. Um, 
I think they've got a 50-50 chance of winning out other than Gonzaga. I'll sell it because I don't want an 8 or 9. I want you a 6-7 or a 10-11-12. Yeah, I get it. I would rather have a 12 than I would an 8 or a 9. I just would because of matchup. It's about getting there and winning. It really is. Um, and, and let's go. Let's all uh, sell for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, last one. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU remaining undefeated in non-quad one games this season. Well, I, I just said I think there's one loss somewhere, but right now BYU 9-0 in the quad 2-3-4 combined. Yeah. So BYU's been perfect in that. Um, there are there have been a couple of close games. BYU's done a nice job finishing, but I, I see one loss in there. I don't know which one. Maybe San Francisco, St. Mary's, Pacific on the road or something. I, I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... Uh, Sell because I think there'll be one non Saint Zagalov, a non quad one. So, so I'm going to go hold, um, and the reason I'm going to say hold is because I, I still believe there's a chance they do go down the stretch other than Gonzaga. It and, could and happen. Win. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and, and I, I believe in this team defensively, right? And so because I believe in them defensively, I think that they're going to have a game where it's coming down the wire, and they're going to have to get a couple of stops and make some free throws. I think they can do it. So I'm not positive, but I think they can. That's why I'm – if I knew they could, I'd, I'd buy it. I think they can, so I'm holding a, it. That'd be 10 I'm holding more it. in a row. I'm Woo! holding it. That'd be awesome. Let's go. I'm just holding it. <laughs> <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Yesterday, we presented the idea of Gonzaga potentially looking at opting out the West Coast, slash the West Coast Conference, considering not having a conference tournament potentially, given the pandemic and health risks, limited to no ticket sales, etc., based on a CBS Sports article. Now, we have a report from Jim Meehan, who we'll talk to later in the program, of the Spokesman Review, taking the story from idea to reporting. Quote, discussions are heating up about what should happen with the West Coast Conference tournament. Later on, uh, Mike Roth, Gonzaga Athletic Director. Coach Few and I have been talking about it actually for a while. I've had conversations with our commissioner, Gloria Navarez. There are a lot of things we still don't know this far out. We continue with head coach Mark Few. Remember, we need to do what's best for the West Coast Conference, which is the best thing you could possibly do for the WCC, is accrue as many NCAA shares as possible. I'll explain what that means in a moment, uh, Few said. Uh, he didn't say that last part. I said that last part. That's what pays for everybody's bills in the West Coast Conference. At the end of the day, I think it needs to be based on that. Continuing. Hopefully, as we progress through the league, we'll get a better feel for what's the best way to execute that. Is it to try to get a third team in, or is it to protect the two teams? He's referring to Gonzaga and BYU. That are already in, and along with that, there's still some TV contracts. Those need to be fed also. There's a lot of things going on. End quote. Jason. Is Mark View's idea of protecting the top two teams in the West Coast Conference in the best interest of BYU? I'll get to that in a sec. You and I actually view this in two different ways. To me, there is not much more to this story than what we discussed yesterday. I understand that the AD, now there's something from the AD where he is on record talking about it and admitting that, yes, they have been talking not just recently but for a while. So I do understand that there's that bit of new information, but we still don't know anything more than we're talking about all of these options. Nothing has changed, at least in my mind yet, 
Because all of the stuff we had, we, we knew yesterday. I assumed that he had been talking to his AD. I assumed that Mark, speaking of Mark Few, I assumed Mark Few was talking with Gloria Navarez in, in the West Coast Conference. So I, I still don't think we're any closer or any further away from, from whatever is ultimately going to happen. In terms of where it fits with BYU and is it in the best interest of BYU, it's all going to depend on where BYU, what they put a premium on. Do they put a premium on being tournament champions? Is that something that is so high on the list uh, and it's a goal that even if Gonzaga doesn't play, if they decide to opt out or whatever the case may be, is that such a a lofty goal that you're willing to play for that? Another is obviously seeding. For me, if you're going to play, I think it has more to do about seeding. If you want to increase your seeding, that's why you play. And another another, thing you would put a premium on is Playing nice with the conference. If Gonzaga wants something to be done, in all likelihood, usually gets done, right? We've seen that in the past. A couple years And so if the West Coast Conference is going to side with Gonzaga, you may need to play nice with the conference and be a good team player. So whatever you put a premium on, I I think that's obviously what you're going to go with. So is it in BYU's best interest? Well, it depends on, on what the Cougars want out of it. All valid points. I feel like this has more weight in my mind than your mind because it's not just Gonzaga. It's the number one team in the country talking here. But they were yesterday, too. And if they want something, but there's more comments to this, right? Um, yes, there hasn't been anything, uh, any action taken. But if this is being said public, just imagine what is being said privately. Right. Okay? So I, I think that if Gonzaga is talking about, if Mark Few is just throwing out this idea of, protect the top two. What he's alluding to, in my opinion, is that BYU and Gonzaga opt out, and then you get a third team in. Why is that so valuable? You've heard, you heard it a moment ago from Mark Few. Let's talk about what NCAA tournament units mean. So every team that gets in the tourney, if you just get to a game, a game every automatic bid for the 32 conferences and then those 34 uh, at-large bids, every team and its league gets a unit. That unit is worth about $282,000 as of last year. You get that over six years, every six, uh, four six years, about $1.7 million. If it goes up a little bit, maybe it's $1.8. That's for every team. So if BYU and Gonzaga get into it, that's at least $3.6 million. It's pretty safe to say that Gonzaga is going to win at least two games, right? Um, so that would be Five million bucks for the league. Uh, more goes to Gonzaga than the rest of the league. They negotiated that a couple years ago. That's a big decision. BYU gets in and loses 1.7 mil. Some for BYU, some for the rest of the league. So now you're up to you know 6.7, maybe seven million bucks. If if uh, Gonzaga and BYU said, hey, in the interest of the league, we're going to opt out and we're going to get a third team in. And, and that team wins the tournament. They get the automatic bid. They're in. Uh, we'll both get at-larges, and we go from there. And it doesn't matter who the third team is. It's just a third team. A third team. You would certainly think St. Mary's, Mary's would be the team. Yes. Or whatever someone else gets up. Now you're talking about another $1.7 million. You might. So if BYU and this other team, let's say St. Mary's, um, and Gonzaga are in, in there, that's $1.7 each. But let's assume Gonzaga wins at least two games. Let's say the crazy thing happens. They get upset in the Sweet 16. It was what? $9 bucks. Total from that decision. So the decision to opt out or opt in, right, for BYU-Gonzaga, and right now BYU is firmly in. That could change. Hopefully BYU continues to play well. Um, is a almost $2 million decision for the league. You divide that by 10, blah, blah, blah. 
it's you know two hundred thousand bucks on average. Maybe a little under because the team that gets in gets more a little more of it, or a lot more of it. We don't know exactly. It's a big decision, so it, that's one thing. Um, and then yeah, does BYU? I don't. I but here's the reality. I don't see BYU doing that. I don't see BYU opting out. I don't. I don't see that because I think what BYU wants more is to win that tournament. Then they want to get two million bucks for the league. I'm not speaking for BYU, but just since BYU hasn't won a uh, conference tournament in 20 years, I would think that's something BYU would want to compete in. Now, here's a logistical thing we need to talk about: BYU, the the conference tournament ends on Tuesday the 9th. The first games would be on March 18th. That's nine days. You have to pass like seven tests. COVID yes. Test before you can play in the NCAA tournament. What if there is a COVID issue and exposure from another team or an individual and you don't have the time to pass all the tests you need to and now you can't compete on time? Maybe you have to delay the game. Maybe you have to forfeit it. I don't know how it's going to work. That is, and, and the WCC is one of the earlier tournaments. Yes. So how's that going to work? I don't understand why the NCAA hasn't pushed this back at least a week or two. What, like, what's the hurry? They're going to be in Indiana. It's going to just be these teams. Um, I, I don't get it. So there's the logistical issue of that as well. Well, and the other part about this is, you know, it would be easy to say, well, hey, the rules are set. If a third team gets in, that gets them into the tournament and three teams and you get all these units and the money's coming in. But we've seen this year alone that the NCAA is willing to change the rules. Are we 100% sure that the NCAA would recognize a third team if the top two teams opted out? And it'd tick off ESPN. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so you have all of these scenarios to think of. it tick off BYU TV and our co- – oh, wait, we never do Gonzaga. <laughs> but, look, you have the number one team in the country, yeah. and they decide to opt out. Okay, so that's, that's a major blow already. A massive story. And so and let's say whatever BYU decides to do, whether they – if they decide to opt out or whatever. So you're talking about your top two teams in the conference – you know, I, we would certainly expect BYU at that point to be a top 25 team, probably, right? And, and, a, si- and a single-digit seed. So you have both of those teams out. Is the NCAA going to say, yeah, we see what you guys did. You're trying to get around the system to get a third team in to get more money for your conference. We, we is, think it's clever, but it, we're not going to allow it to happen. Is it up to them, or is it the league saying, this is our champion? But I, look, I, I the league can say that all they want, but I the NCAA ultimately will have the the right to say we we accept that champion. We don't know that that's the rule. Wait, and we, look, and we don't. Yes, we don't know that the NCAA would do this. It, but these are all scenarios you have to look at. If Gonzaga opts out, I feel like the tournament wouldn't happen. That's what I feel like, because I I see these the schools in California that typically have no shot. Well, yes, now they have a shot, maybe, but what I don't see why they'd play. If multiple teams opt out, like what happened at the end of bowl season in football was a preview of what could happen in this situation. Right. A lot of teams are like, you know what? We're tired. We're just done. Especially the California schools. They've had to deal with different state regulations that, uh, you know, BYU has to deal, had to deal with in Utah. And obviously the Northwest is similar to California in its approach to how this has all gone. So it's, yeah, obviously. So you think if, you think if Gonzaga opts out, The other scenarios don't really matter as much because you think that the conference would pull out of having a tournament at all. I'm just thinking that's probably a good likelihood. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.